We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Everyone and welcome back to another episode of a Pack a Day podcast. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thank you so much for making us part of your day. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I'll be taking you through the episode today. And we've got lots to talk about. Packers coming off of their bye and eight and two, looking to finish the season strong. And you know, we talked about it last week. The floor for this team, really at this point, should probably be twelve and four. Lots to be excited about. But before we get to that floor record that, that I mentioned of 12-4, and you've got to take, take it one game at a time. Really big, tough test coming up this weekend. Sunday night football in San Francisco playing the 49ers. 49ers coming in at 9-1. and one. I'm sure all of you know that if you're listening to this podcast. That's not a surprise. But nonetheless, big game. It'll be a really good test for Green Bay. Another road test, another West Coast road test. And I know I've already seen the Packers have amended their travel plans for the game this weekend. Can't say that that's really a surprise after how the Chargers game went. Whether it was travel plans for that game or something else, regardless, something needed to change from the way that worked out. So, Again, travel plans are different this week for the Packers, and just uh, overall a, a big game coming up for Green Bay. Really have a chance to prove that they are a contender, but on the flip side, 
And we're going to get into this just a little bit here, but the 49ers have one of the toughest remaining schedules of any NFC team. And it's really interesting because their, the start of their season was really filled with kind of a lot of, I don't want to say nobodies because it's the NFL, but teams that weren't nearly as good as what their remaining schedule is. So I want to bring in the crew here, Maggie and Jacob. Welcome back again, guys. And, you know, bye weeks are always the the hardest week of the year for me. It's it's one of the, I have a love-hate relationship with the bye week because I hate the fact that there's no Packers football on at all during the week, but at the same time I look at it, especially this year, you're 8-2, and two, and while the Packers didn't have anybody that was really out the, against Carolina with injuries, they've been banged up, they're a little nicked up, they could use the rest, so it's good that they had the week off, but, um, you know, just real quick, curious, what did you guys do with your with your Packer-free weekend? Maggie, I know you said that you had a little uh, football interruptus over over the weekend on Sunday uh so baby shower yeah so one of the people at the baby shower actually listens to the pack a day podcast so I have to be very careful with my words because he is the brother-in-law of the uh expecting mother it was it was a beautiful baby shower um but yeah once I saw the score of the Vikings Broncos game it became an immediate distraction, and I was uh, without football for most of my Sunday, which is a rarity for me, but still very happy for my close family friend and her husband. There you go. And Jacob, how did you How did you end up spending your Packer-free weekend? Uh, the same way that I spend it most other times. There was football on my TV from noon till 10.30. I pointed and laughed at the Chicago Bears' expense <laughs> for three hours and was a little upset that the Vikings were – able to make that comeback but otherwise yeah I mean not all that different I was able to not focus on that completely like I have to be locked in for three hours of a Packers game but it was a not all that different well you know I I would I'm in the same boat as you there Jacob although I did I know I asked both of you before before we started here if either of you had gotten Disney plus uh, I, my wife and I, we got a free week trial. We did the free week trial of Disney Plus, and I've, uh, I'm one of these weird people. Uh, I guess, well, I guess, it depends on what you consider weird. I'm sure Jacob, you find it weird that I've really never seen The Simpsons before in my life. Yeah, and, that is weird. How the hell? Uh, I it just wasn't something that my parents let me watch growing up as a kid. And <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, your parents not letting you watch it. That's their thing. I'm not going to question their parenting. That's their thing. So all these times when I've been sending, 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 wow, sending <laughs> gifts of Maggie from The Simpsons, have you not known who that is? No, I mean I know I know the characters, and I've seen oh, okay. episodes here and there. I just I, I haven't seen a whole lot of it, and uh, and I've never really had access to it. But now Disney Plus has all thirty seasons of The Simpsons. So oh my I've, god, there's thirty seasons. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and I watched the very first episode and. Let me tell you something, uh, being born in 92 and not really like comprehending TV until the year 2000, um, we've come a long way with the whole animation thing. Um, oh, yeah. The, the first episode was, was very good, but it, you could tell it was made in 1989. Yes. So, yes. Uh, but that's what I did with my football weekend. I was, and Jacob, I know I mentioned to you, I was... Very upset that the Packers were teased for about seven straight hours with the Vikings and then the 49ers. Both probably should have lost on Sunday, and neither of them did. But um, 
Anyway, you know, it doesn't matter, though, if the Packers take care of their own business. So that's what we're here for. So we're going to be taking a look this week. If you haven't guessed already, it's kind of been a theme with this podcast group over the season. We're going to be taking a look at how this Packers defense matches up against the 49ers offense, which there's a lot to be said about it. Um, so Green Bay is now, I think it's now 7-0, and is it? Or, yeah, 7-0 and now when they have forced at least one turnover in in their games this year, and that's Good news for the Packers and probably bad news for the 49ers. 49ers have turned the ball over in eight of their ten games, and Jimmy Garoppolo has accounted for a lot of them. He's thrown ten interceptions, and he's had seven fumbles, four of which he's lost. So the team in total through ten games has 17 turnovers, and Jimmy Garoppolo has accounted for 14 of them. So I don't want to call Jimmy Garoppolo a uh, I don't know the the correct word to use because I don't think weak link is necessarily the correct word to use here. But I, I guess if there's a position that you're going to take advantage of as far as helping out the team as a whole, I think quarterback is the position that you're going to be looking at. Jimmy Garoppolo, again, don't want to call him turnover prone, but the numbers kind of say that he is. So maybe maybe we will call him turnover prone. But just looking at this matchup as a whole and – Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo is no Aaron Rodgers, but he's competent. You don't just accidentally stumble to 9-1 and one in the NFL. So there is something to be said. They are a good team, but the question is how good of a team are they? So, Maggie, when you look at this 49ers offense, what do you see that might give you concern for the Packers defense as far as you know? this is something they really need to pay attention to? Well, I think that we're all thinking it, and uh, George Kittle is definitely that big question mark for the 49ers offense this week. Um, He led the team in yardage before his injury, still does lead the team technically, I guess, um, even despite missing a couple weeks. Um, So that, you know, given the Packers' history this season of defending against the tight end position, George Kittle... um, could play a huge role either in the offensive production for Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of being that security blanket or in his absence, kind of seeing how the 49ers game plan uh, without having him on the field. Uh, The Packers numbers don't look incredible um, from a defensive standpoint. I mean, they're 28th in the NFL in total yards allowed per game Um, on offense. The 49ers are second in points per game fifth in yards per game. So that's not a great matchup for the Packers, but where the Packers do have an advantage is definitely um, in the turnover differential. They're plus nine on the season, uh, which bodes well, like you said earlier, for Jimmy Garoppolo being someone who is turnover prone. Um, And then the Packers have a a pretty strong red zone defense. I know that we talk about bend, don't break, and lately it's felt a lot more like bending and bending and bending. Um, But that is really something that they'll need to hang their hat on uh, moving forward, especially um, going up against a really explosive 49ers offense where two of their backs are averaging over five yards per carry. And then the back that's not has five touchdowns already on the season um, in that kind of hybrid role. So going to be a tough test, especially in the middle of the field. And the 49ers are going to put up a bunch of yards this week. It's just about containing them in that red zone. When you mentioned George Kittle, as of right now, and, you know, there's probably going to be more information on this, depending on when you listen to this today, but 
Um, George Kittle, questionable for this weekend. Not sure if he'll be playing. Um, and then as well, Emmanuel Sanders uh, hurt his ribs a couple weeks ago against the Seahawks. He left Sunday's game against the Cardinals, re-aggravating those ribs. So two big weapons there in the passing game that could be missing from this weekend's game. But, Jacob, I want to go to the flip side here of something that gets talked about a lot as far as what does it mean that Green Bay is coming off a bye and, you know, getting rest. The 49ers, their bye week was in week four. So they've been playing ever since then, and they don't they don't have a break here. So as as when you're looking at a rookie coach like Matt LaFleur and this defense, is it – I mean, obviously you always say it's nice to have the bye to get healthy, but what about momentum? Do you buy any of that, and what do you expect to see from Matt LaFleur and Mike Pettin in this defense coming out of a bye in such a big game? Uh, well, first of all, from – I believe in in the game that there are momentum swings from game to game. I do not believe in game to game momentum. So when you mention that, I don't think it means a whole hell of a lot. But talking about the bye, uh, it's interesting because normally you would think that the bye week matters. That team is rested. The 49ers have played two really strenuous, stressful games. One, they played essentially five quarters against the Seahawks. Six days later, on a short week, they play Arizona in a game that goes down to the wire. I actually found out today that teams that are coming off the bye week this year have a losing record, which I thought was strange. How much that means, I don't know, because uh, maybe that just means a lot of bad teams have had their – because, I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. The Packers haven't had their bye. Uh, the, the Vikings are a really good team, and they haven't had their bye yet. So that could play into it as well. But it was a little interesting, at least, if nothing else. Um, as far as what I expect to see, Matt LaFleur is playing, you know, his master, if you will. He's the, you know, Kyle Shanahan's the master. Matt LaFleur is the student, uh, at least to some degree there. Uh, LaFleur never held a position above Kyle Shanahan, so he'll definitely be a little extra amped up for this game. And I know on a much smaller scale when I was playing or when I'm coaching now, if I'm playing or coaching against one of my friends, there's a little extra juice for that. So I'm imagining – That'll be the case as well. As far as Mike Pettin goes, um, Grant, Mike Pettin's much smarter than I am. Uh, I'm not one to question scheme a whole hell of a lot just because I'm, I mean, I like to consider myself more than a novice, but I'm not all that well-versed in some of that stuff, but I'd like to think that he'll play a little more aggressive, something that, you know, I talked about at the beginning of the season, especially when they played Chicago. Minnesota was even when there was a pass completed, it felt like the Packers were at least challenging the routes, challenging the reception. And lately, you know, you mentioned bend, but don't break, which is fine. uh, But I would like the bending to be a little bit less easy. Uh, You know, if they're going to make a catch, make them make the play. But it looks like now there's a lot of receivers catching passes and the Packers defender is not in the same zip code. Uh, And that's troubling. Just because, you know, when I look at the best defenses around the NFL, the Bears, the Vikings, uh, some of the teams like that, they have some really good defenses. And every single play, unless you're throwing it at Xavier Rhodes, apparently, those plays are challenged. And they make it difficult to where, okay, you made a play, that's awesome, but you know what, you're going to earn it. And I feel like the Packers, you know, Maggie, you mentioned a lot of yards, and that's fine. Yardage can be an empty statistic. Uh, I think it was Ross Uglum said it on the Packer Report podcast with Gilbert Brown, and it was they don't get extra points for all those yards. But at the same time, make them earn them a little bit more. 
Uh, I would like to see something like that. Play aggressive, you know, dictate to your opposition what it is that you're doing. I thought that was something Patton did very well early in the season. And you could say, well, he played Mitchell Trubisky and Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins has played like, I know this is like gasp worthy, and I've made fun of him a lot, but Kirk Cousins has played like an MVP candidate since the beginning of October. So does he really suck that bad? I don't know. Mitchell Trubisky certainly does. We've seen that. But, I mean, how much of that matters? I don't know. I would just like to see the Packers be a little bit more aggressive. And I don't mean that by, like, blitzing more. Just don't play 20 yards off the ball. Challenge the receivers at the point of the catch and see if you can do something. Well, and, you know, Maggie, one thing you mentioned a little bit earlier was the running backs and their – yard per carry average and the one thing that we know about this Packers defense if there's if there's a place that they truly struggle it's the run game and it's interesting looking at this the 49ers have run for over 200 yards three different times this year granted admittedly two of those times one was against the Bengals one was against the Browns the other one was against the Panthers um but again that's not something that's very easily done in the NFL running for 200 yards and through most of their first eight games or so, they were either at or very just shy of the 100-yard rushing mark as a team. But these last two weeks against the Seahawks and the Cardinals, I know this last week against the Cardinals, they had like 34 yards rushing in total. And now, granted, they made up for that by Jimmy Garoppolo throwing for over 400 yards. But when you look at this run game that the 49ers have had throughout the season, it's kind of slowed slowed down the last two games a little bit, but is this one of these games, are the 40, I guess, is are the 49ers a team when you look at them that can beat, like if you shut down the pass game, they'll just run on you. Or if you shut down the run game, they'll just throw all, like, is there a way to really like put this offense in check from a, from a defensive standpoint? I mean, I really like the way that the 49ers utilize their entire backfield. That is similar to me as to how Green Bay utilizes their players, which makes sense given Matt LaFleur's tutelage under Kyle Shanahan, but with Matt Briata, uh, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, and then uh, their fullback, you know, you have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Danny Vitale, um, all as weapons in the run game and in the passing game. And that's a lot of what we see here uh, on this 49ers team as well. So if you do manage to stuff the run, which is something I'm sure the Packers will try and emphasize on defense early, you still have to look out for them in the passing game. And it's similar to you know the game plan I think the Packers had going in um, to the Panthers game against Christian McCaffrey, where you knew that he could beat you uh, in the run game and the passing game. Uh, So it was about eliminating some of those weapons or at least acknowledging that they may make some plays, but you have to limit those explosive plays, which I think has been kind of the bane of this defense's existence, uh, especially, I guess, in the last five or so weeks. So real quickly here before we wrap up, guys, Jacob, looking at this game, the Packers defense, knowing what we know through 10 weeks here, 10, 11 weeks, and at this point – for the most part, we know what this Packers team is. They're not going to necessarily drastically change in any way that they've proven to be so far this year. So I feel like I know what the answer to the question is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Coming into this weekend, the Packers defense needs to do what in order to give their team, the team in as a whole, a chance to win? 
the D train, man. That's you mentioned it. The Packers are undefeated when they force turnover. Jimmy Garoppolo is a turnover machine. The Niners are going to get yards. I mentioned even if Mike Pettin does everything I just laid out for him as this perfect blueprint to a Super Bowl caliber defense, even if he does all that, Kyle Shanahan is really smart. The Niners are going to get yards. They're going to, and they match up well with the Packers in places that Green Bay is kind of soft in the defense, the middle of the field. They'll get their running backs if George Kittle plays. Even if George Kittle doesn't play, uh, the tight end for the 49ers scored two touchdowns on Sunday, and I think he had two touchdowns that were called back by holding penalties. So they have weapons at positions. You know, Nick, you lament the Packers' inability to cover the tight end almost minute by minute. So you understand that as well as anybody, that if Kittle plays, that just really extrap. I don't know the right word, but it – really puts a focus on that weakness that Green Bay has. And then you add in that the running back can do that. Now, granted, Green Bay's found a way to stop teams like that before. We kind of thought that that would be the case with uh, the Carolina Panthers. That said, Kyle Allen is not Jimmy Garoppolo, even if you aren't a big believer in Jimmy G like I am not, uh, at least not at this point. Then the Packers can find ways to stop those guys. Uh, but – that being said, there's still going to be moments where Christian McCaffrey was quote-unquote limited. He still gained over 100 yards. He's still going to make plays. That's really what it comes down to. So Green Bay is going to have to get their hands on some turnovers. Jimmy G threw, uh, what was it, against Seattle. I think he ended up throwing only two interceptions, but he had like four or five other passes that could have been picked. You have to catch those, and you have to make those plays when they're in front of you. So – Green Bay had, between Kevin King and Jair Alexander, I believe the Packers, those two guys by themselves have dropped five interceptions this season. Is the stat? It was five or six. Either way, it's not good. So if those guys get their hands on the ball, they have to catch it because the Packers, the other thing about this, you know, we're doing defense versus offense. That Niners defense is very, very good. So as many extra chances as you can get against them, you have to be able to do that. Well, and Maggie, if we're looking at this Packers defense, Jacob said if they get turnovers, they're going to win. If the Packers don't do X on defense, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to assume the answer is still the same as Jacob's, if they don't get turnovers, they're going to lose. But if they don't do what, they're not going to give this team a great chance to win. I mean, this seems like the most obvious answer here, but the Packers have done a really good job in the red zone. So even if they're able to hold the 49ers to field goals, once they start marching down the field, that's huge. If they're trading three points, you know, for seven points, and now they're giving up touchdowns once the the 49ers get down into that point, then, you know, this game kind of takes a turn. But if they have a performance similar to the one that they had against the Lions, where, Yes, they were giving up yardage, but, you know, you're trading field position and field goals instead of giving up touchdowns. Um, That's what you have to do here. And the thing to me I think that's the most interesting about this week is we kind of already know who the Packers are. And there's some people that maybe will dispute their record, but, you know, they have a win against the Vikings who are looking really strong this season. Uh, They have a convincing win over the Raiders who have a winning record, the Cowboys who have a winning record. This is a 49ers team that has a pretty questionable record going or for being nine and one, you know, they play teams with a collective 38, 62 and two record at this point in the season. Um, You know, the two ties obviously coming from beating uh, the Cardinals twice uh, and their tie to the lions, but they played a winless Bengals team, a 1-9 and nine Washington team. Only two of the teams that they've played have a winning record. 
the Seahawks and the Rams, and they lost to the Seahawks. So I think that this game likely will be closer than some people are anticipating it to be. I know you said that the Vegas odds kind of called it a toss-up at this point, which to me sounds about right. I think that, you know, the Packers obviously need to play really good ball and they need to play a a close to perfect game. But I also think that there will be plenty of opportunities there for them to put the game away, banking on things like touchdowns and red zone defense or turnovers, not touchdowns. Well, and absolutely, and I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think this weekend, regardless of the outcome of the game, I think you're going to learn more about the 49ers as a whole than you are going to learn about the Packers as a whole as far as just the, the simple outcome of the game. We know who the Packers are. You want to get the win, but let's also just remember if the Packers do end up losing this game, that just means that the 49ers are just that good. They're 10-1, and one, and the world will not be falling apart if they – do end up losing this game but let's just real quick here Maggie your thoughts outcome of the game Sunday night you mean like I have to give a prediction right now I just a general feeling you don't, <laughs> you don't have to give me a score you don't have to give me points or anything just just your your gut feeling I think it'll right be now. I think it'll be a one score game maybe like three or four points will decide the whole thing I don't know if it'll come down to a last second field goal like it did last season at Lambeau but I think it'll be definitely a one-score game. Might depend on the final possession and who gets into field goal range. All right, and Jacob, for you, your your, th- your feeling on this game this Sunday? No, Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey has struggled. Preston and Zadarius Smith are wonderful, and as I learned at a wedding this weekend, Ram Show Gary uh, should have an opportunity to make a few plays himself. <laughs> Nick, you quit Twitter, so you're not familiar. I'll have to tell you that story offline. Uh, but, yeah, I think those guys have chances to make plays. Jimmy G's a turnover. Everybody this week is talking about how the 49ers match up so well with the Packers, completely ignoring that Green Bay matches up well with San Francisco as well. The 49ers' weaknesses are into Green Bay's strengths. They've struggled to protect Jimmy G last week against Arizona. The Packers have two really good pass rushers, and Kenny Clark coming off of a bye week should be ready to eat people. That'll help <laughs> offensively. The Packers can score points. If they can. If D. Ford doesn't play, and it looks like he's not going to, they have to block Bosa, and everybody named Bosa is definitely built to torment me, and I understand that. But if they can get him blocked, the 49ers aren't going to be able to get heat on Aaron Rodgers. You don't get heat on Aaron Rodgers. They don't have anybody that can cover Devontae Adams. They won't have anybody to be able to stop Aaron Jones all that well. This Packers team matches up really well in spots that the 49ers can't. I think that your fatalist Packers fans just look at, oh, they have the best tight end in the league, and they have a really good running game. We can't stop them. Well, San Francisco might struggle. They've lost. The one game they lost this year was against a team ranked fourth in passing DVOA, the Seattle Seahawks, who are led by MVP runner-up Russell Wilson at this point. Okay, so Green Bay matches up well. I think Green Bay wins. I think they win by anywhere from three to seven points, like a one-score game, like Maggie said. Should be a thriller, if you will. But Green Bay is going to be in firm position to be in that driver's seat for the NFC's top overall seed, and that's something you got to feel really good about. 
Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to say this, and again, I'm, I'm always the cop-out. You guys know this about me. I'm always the cop-out. But I, I tend to agree with you, Jacob. I think Green Bay is going to win this game. The only thing, and you know, it's weird to say that you have to think about it, and it's maybe nobody else is. Maybe I'm the only one that's, that my brain functions this way. But I, I'm, No I'm, argument here. <laughs> yeah, you won't get an argument from my wife either. She would very much agree with you. I'm, I'm very interested to see how this bye week goes for this young Packers team, young head coach. Is it helpful for them, or was it just, you know, the, I guess the, the negative side of me says it's just an extra week to screw off. I don't think that's how they approached it. I think they'll be prepared, and I think they're going to win this game. But that is, I guess, if there's anything that I'm looking at, the bye week, just how did they handle it as a team? How do they handle it as a coaching staff? So – I, I, although I, like I said, I agree with you, Jacob. I think if Green Bay's got their head screwed on straight for this game, I, I think they win it. So, and again, I don't think it's by a wide margin, like you said, Jacob. I think it's still a close game. The 49ers are still a good team, but I do think Green Bay has a chance to win this. So, all right, wrap up real quick, guys. Jacob, people want to follow you, find your work. How can they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jacob Westendorf, and you can find me at Packer Report 66. I just had. Something come out on Tuesday about three guys the Packers need a little bit more from if they're going to make a run to a 14th world championship. All right. And Maggie, people want to get in touch with you, follow your work. How do they do that? I am on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. And I also write for Cheesehead TV every Tuesday. So yesterday in podcast land, I have a piece coming out or that comes out called That's What Cheese Said, which is great. So Check it out, if not for the title alone. Um, it's fun. There you go. And uh, very proud. We, we discussed it before the show here. The last couple of weeks we've been handing out our Green and Golden Award. Uh, and we decided it's just it's a good thing that we're not giving one out this week. Nobody got arrested over the bye week. Nobody's in trouble. Everything's good. So we just decided we're going to take – this is the bye week this time around for the Green and Golden Award. There's no Green and Golden this week, so if you're disappointed, sorry about that, although nobody probably is. So with that, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and make sure that you are following the podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast, and make sure you are liking and subscribing to the Packaday Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. With that, thank you so much for listening, everyone, and as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.